Hi, and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug. I'm the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church. We're based out of Shelton, Washington. We're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. And I want to thank you all for hanging in there. I realize I've been doing these podcasts for a whole year now. Preaching, it's a conversation between the Holy Spirit, the preacher, and the listener. And I always have full confidence in the Holy Spirit. But as a preacher, I often uh, feel out of touch. It's, it's hard to know if and how well I'm connecting. This series on the Ten Commandments, I realize, has been pretty rough, too. The commandments, they're given to challenge us, expose our weak spots, draw us into both the holiness and the mercy of God. This is hard to do normally, and because of COVID, we don't have each other quite so available to support one another in this journey. It just makes it tough for all of us. It is easy to lose heart, folks. I want to thank you for your continued prayers, your exemplary faith, and your mutual encouragement. So we're going to keep on plugging away through these commandments. Uh, Let's continue to do so with courage, with humility, and with a big old umbrella of grace over it all. And please keep praying for me and for my preaching. My prayer echoes that of the psalmist. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So the seventh commandment goes like this, you shall not steal. What does this mean? It means we are to fear and love God so that we neither take our neighbor's money or property nor acquire them by using shoddy merchandise or crooked deals, but instead help them to improve and protect their property and income. You shall not steal, the Bible says. This has to do with how we do business with our neighbors, how we relate to God, and how we steward the resources which God has given us. We're going to throw in a gospel story today about Jesus in the temple that gives us a glimpse of how Jesus applies this commandment. I'll leave you with seven, seven, seven brief takeaways for how we apply this commandment to our lives today. But we'll begin with this reading from the Gospel of John, the second chapter, beginning at the 13th verse, the gospel reading designated for this, the third Sunday in Lent. John chapter 2, verse 13. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jewish leaders then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what Jesus had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Here ends the reading. 
So you can call this the temple court incident. Think about it this way. Jesus pulls into the church parking lot on Easter Sunday morning. He finds himself surrounded by smiling church volunteers and vendors offering him everything from coffee to pre-filled communion cups to monogrammed polyester prayer handkerchiefs blessed by the pastor herself. People are getting charged a love offering for the worship bulletin, encouraged to buy an Easter lily in remembrance of a loved one, and don't forget to order the deluxe Easter breakfast. After all, it's for the kids. And there is so much buying and selling going on that you can hardly find the door to the sanctuary. Jesus grows indignant. This is supposed to be holy ground, a sacred place. This is my father's house. And Jesus loses it. He knocks down the Easter breakfast booth. He kicks over the Easter lily display. He dumps the table with the worship bulletins. They're flying around all over in the wind. He starts howling and yelling and threatening people with a baseball bat until the parking lot is cleared out. The pastor and the council president emerge to find an empty parking lot and a crazed fellow with a baseball bat. Who do you think you are? They ask him. And Jesus says, this is my father's house. I have come to tear down the whole thing and build it back up in three days. Now, this is a metaphor, the Bible says. In fact, Jesus is referring to himself as the temple. And when you realize that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, Easter Sunday, you begin to connect the dots. Jesus had come to replace the temple with himself. But in the meantime, he, he kind of he broke the seventh commandment, didn't he? I mean, at least a little. Certainly guilty of disturbing the peace, a little vandalism, disrupting a legal business, terrifying some sheep. Well, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll come back to this story, but let's dig deeper into the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God so that we neither take our neighbor's money or property nor acquire them by using shoddy merchandise or crooked deals, but instead help them to improve and protect their property and income. The seventh commandment is about loving our neighbors, honoring God, being good stewards. So how do we love our neighbors? Well, don't take their stuff. Don't cheat people out of their money. Don't shoplift. Don't use someone else's credit card to buy a $19 bottle of hot sauce. Don't sell shoddy merchandise. Don't back out of a handshake. Honor contracts. Work hard. Pay your employees a fair wage. Don't cheat on your taxes or your math final. The seventh commandment protects other people's stuff. And by extension, it protects your stuff. And we're also to fear and love God so that we help our neighbors improve and protect their stuff. Which also means that if my neighbor doesn't have enough stuff, you know, like food or shelter or a good job or hope or a friend, well, maybe that's your cue. John the Baptist famously taught that anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. He was basically riffing on the seventh commandment. This commandment also has to do with how we relate to God. Now, come on, it's not like anyone can actually steal anything from God. That's not the point here. It is that when I steal or cheat or swindle somebody else, 
That's a, a symptom. That's a sign that I'm not truly fearing and loving God, that I'm not obedient to God, that I'm not trusting God to provide me with my daily bread, all that I need from day to day. We say in the first article of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And the Catechism explains that what we're saying here is that I believe that God has created me together with all that exists, that God has given me and still preserves my body and soul, ears, eyes, nose, <laughs> limbs, and senses, my reason, all my mental faculties. And in addition, God daily and abundantly provides Everything that I need from day to day, shoes and clothing, food and drink, house and farm, spouse and children, fields, livestock, all, the, all my property, along with all the necessities and nourishment for this body and life. God provides and God protects me against all danger, shields me and preserves me from all evil. And all of this is done out of a pure fatherly and divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness of mine at all. And for all this, I owe it to God to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. Well, if God is providing me with everything that I need, what am I doing stealing, cheating, lying, swindling my neighbor? The seventh commandment has to do with trusting God, with loving our neighbors, and with practicing generous stewardship. Bible says we're blessed to be a blessing. Everything that we have really is just on loan from God for us to enjoy, to improve, to use, to grow, to share with others. We give thee but thine own, as the song says. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Think about that parable about the three servants. They're all entrusted with their master's resources. Two of them are, are obedient they invest the resources, they share it, they use it, and the master's investment is doubled. Well done, good and faithful servants. But the third servant is disobedient to the master. He buries his share in the ground. He's lazy, disobedient. A lost opportunity to bless others with the gifts of God. The Bible teaches us to give tithes and offerings and alms to the poor. The prophet Malachi records God's tithing challenge. Give your whole tithe, 10% off the top, God says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Malachi chapter 4. The seventh commandment is about loving our neighbors, honoring God, and being good stewards. So let's go back to the temple courts incident. Did Jesus break the seventh commandment that day? Or at least push the edges a bit? After all, people lost their jobs. Uh, some went hungry that night because Jesus had chased away the merchandise, scattered their currency. No doubt some worshipers were even scared off that day. We see this story and, and some of us wonder if, if this is a model for how we should live. Is the Bible giving us permission or justification for, well, for a Black Lives Matter protest or for a terrorist attack in the name of religious freedom or politically motivated violence at our nation's capital? What do we make of this? Let me offer four comments. First, at a personal level, 
many of us find encouragement in this story, knowing that, you know, Jesus got mad too sometimes. Jesus understands my struggles, my righteous anger. My temper doesn't disqualify me from salvation. Jesus knows what it feels like to be angry. Jesus loves me just as I am. Second, Jesus is clearly justified in his anger. The sacred temple had been violated, overrun with commerce and greed. But imagine if Jesus had begun to stage weekly protests at the temple. After a while, you know what righteous anger looks like? Well, just plain old anger. How quickly it would have devolved into violence, defacing the building, threatening the priests, or even breaking into the temple itself, violating the altar of God, the Holy of Holies. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we saw in D.C., right? The problem with righteous anger is that after a while, it just becomes anger. My third comment would be, in fact, that I'd say that Jesus clearly shifts away from precisely this kind of public display throughout the rest of his ministry. The way John tells the story, the temple courts incident happened early on in Jesus' public ministry. And sure, it got him noticed. It drew attention to his cause. But as his ministry continues, he increasingly avoids public confrontation and he goes out of his way to stay out of the limelight. By the time he enters Jerusalem the last time, what we now call Palm Sunday, King Jesus is met by only a handful of cheering peasants as he rides into town on a borrowed burrow. And finally, fourth, it's significant that the last angry mob connected to Jesus is the one in which he is the one being arrested, accused, attacked, condemned, tortured, and crucified. He is the one being whipped, knocked down, and vandalized. He is the one whose friends and disciples are threatened and scattered like coins. Jesus does not lead or incite the angry mob. Rather, Jesus bears the brunt of their anger shoulders the burden of the sins of the whole world. On the cross, Jesus, the the living temple of God, was desecrated and destroyed, only to be raised up again on the third day, just as he said he would. You shall not steal. What does this mean? We are to fear and love God, so that we neither take our neighbor's money or property nor acquire them by using shoddy merchandise or crooked deals, but instead help them to improve and protect their property and income. Let me leave you you with seven brief takeaways. First, go ahead and get angry. Just don't stay angry. Raise awareness for whatever causes or injustices you see. Show support, uh, be an ally, work for change, but don't let your anger lead you into violence, hatred, or cynicism. The way of Jesus is ultimately the way of the cross. As Christians, we don't inflict the damage, we bear it. We bear it in our own bodies, in the name of Jesus, for the sake of the world. Second, trust God's provision. Everything that we have comes from God. So don't get greedy or entitled. Enough is enough. 
And that provision includes God's love and mercy and forgiveness and salvation. God's grace is sufficient for you. Third, be generous stewards. What we have, we are given to share and and to, to bless others. So give the full tithe, provide alms for the poor, and tip your wait staff at least 20%. Number four, live simply. One way we can practice the seventh commandment is to live simply. Reduce, reuse, recycle, limit waste. Consider your ecological footprint. Learn about climate issues. Number five, work hard. Earn your keep. Take pride in what you do. Encourage others and compliment them when you see them doing their job well. We all need positive strokes. Number six, conduct business ethically. Pay fair wages, honor contracts, provide excellent customer service. Put out a good product at a fair price. Treat your employees well. Be honest in your advertising. And number seven, now this one, number seven, this is if you're up to it, (laughs) if your energy is good then have some good Seventh Commandment conversations with members of your family, with members of your faith community. Conversations that have to do with loving our neighbors, trusting God, being generous stewards. Pick a Seventh Commandment topic like reparations for descendants of American slaves, acknowledgments of indigenous claims on the land, What about forgiving student debt or the minimum wage or the housing crisis, affirmative action, vocational training, unions, learning uh, and trade schools? What about a conversation about green energy and sustainable economies? What about the merits of nationalism versus globalism? Yeah, these are big topics, but if we can't talk about these in church, where can we talk about them? But like I say, number seven, that's only if you got the energy. For a lot of us right now, we're just getting through day to day. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any other way you listen to podcasts. Please share this message with a friend. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can sign up for our mailing list or access study materials for this message. Thank you all for your generous financial support for faith. Thank you, Chaz and Emily, for your production work on this podcast and our worship resources. Let's conclude with a prayer for what we talked about today. Oh God, you command us not to steal. May we so fear and love you that we do not take our neighbor's money or property or get them in any dishonest way, but help them to improve and protect their property and their means of making a living. And we pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.